Coming up, Mikhail Bridges leads Team USA in a dominant win at the FIBA tournament over Italy. We break down his performance, what it always means as a leader of the Brooklyn Nets, and how this can impact the process for building that Olympic roster. We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets. Every single day over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. Right here is Adam Armbrecht. And we are, of course, free on all those great platforms and want to let you know, guys, that if you have not gotten in with us over on Subtext, you got to join on subtext.com slash locked on nets you'll find it in our show notes as well because just like we talked to you about youtube where we have exclusive content going out that you'll only find there that's what's been happening over on subtext we had all of the key matchups to watch for against the fiba tournament usa versus italy we're going to be giving you injury notes projections around in-season games for the nets as well so be a part of the group that we're building over there we're having a lot of fun with it and it's only going to get better as we approach the nba regular season and Doug, we now turn our attention to an absolutely excellent FIBA performance for the Brooklyn Nets, who were not playing there. But Team USA was, and Mikhail Bridges was on that roster. Really great game from Mikhail Bridges. Great bounce-back performance from Team USA. But this is, is very Mikhail Bridges-centric because mid-second quarter, that was the catalyst. Mikhail Bridges started to do all the things that we saw him do back half of last season. Yeah, just basically couldn't miss at like 24 points on 11 shots, four from the field. That's 94% true shooting for all you uh, math dudes and dudettes out there. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that from an efficiency standpoint. Like we saw yeah. this guy last year be able to have one of those sort of like spurts of take this with the spirit it's intended Kevin Durant like efficiency when it comes to like multiple spots on the floor, right? Scoring at three levels, really be able to pull up in the mid range like being able to just be sort of a consummate scorer. And when yep. you're playing with guys like Anthony Edwards and Jalen Brunson and some of these other dudes that, that, that's made up of Team USA, at times you're going to – it's it's a little bit of hot hand at times, like we saw that from Ant last game. Uh, and I think there's a recognition, like when someone's got it, it's going to be that guy's going to keep shooting. I think the team seems to understand that from, this, from that level. That Bridges can dial it up like this among this group of peers – is just a further reminder that when he gets going and when it's working for him, he can score with some of the best guys in the game. I, I well, I don't even gonna, I'm not even going to caveat it yet. There, uh, I, that's just maybe that's just a point stop. Like because this was just a really, really, really impressive performance. Yeah, Italy's not very good. Like, what are you going to do? But in general, it's just not easy, really, at any level. To have this kind of like a ninety-four percent true shooting in eighteen minutes, twenty-four points—that's like nobody does that. <laughs> right? yeah. Just like it's just really, really hard to do. And I thought, and and to your point about the, the team overall, and then back into Mikhail Bridges, it, it was about midway through the second quarter. I didn't have any sentiment or sense that Italy was going to give the the team uh, uh, USA a bit of a fright here the way Lithuania did, mostly because those guys couldn't hit an open ocean in this game. So it was basically a waiting process for when the team finally got rolling. But it was in the second quarter where 
you can attack. The ball movement is there. And Mikhail had the, before he started knocking down the perimeter shots later in the game, he had, it was consecutive back-to-back kind of possessions. Okay, I'll take you off the dribble. I'll go at the basket. I'll yep. finish it up and under. Okay, I'll step into the mid-range game. Okay, I'll kick the pass outside. His sense of what is needed in those moments, and we talked about with the, with the Nets, he seems to get it here too. He was locked in defensively to start this game, not really worrying about the offensive side, and then it shifted to him on the offensive end, and as you said, the team gets that. Hot hand, we are all high-level NBA players. It need not be any one of us in particular. It need not be Anthony Edwards every single time we take the court. Well, he outscored the rest of the starting lineup combined, right? Like they had, <laughs> they had 19. Always a good model. <laughs> he had 24 points. They had 19. And Triple J got in foul trouble again. That's been a recurring problem for him. But regardless, like 24 points, the rest of the, rest of the starters had 19. They got into the bench early because, like you said, in the second quarter, he stepped it up in the second quarter. It was over in the first five minutes of this game. You yeah, could just yeah. tell Italy had – maybe it was like seven minutes. Italy really had nothing. And this wasn't going to be like a slow um, – no, a lot uh, – who, who they put last game? Shoot. Uh, Lithuania, gee, I was getting, I was the Slovenia, then I said Latvia, and then I got, um, where they were just making every three, like that wasn't gonna happen, and they had some NBA guys there. Uh, this was this was really wasn't the case at all with Italy, but yeah, no, from it was during that second quarter that he started lighting it up. He had a nice step through to the basket where he was able to take a defender one on one, and again, these guys really weren't proposing much in the way of a speed bump. Uh, the Italian side of the ball, like I, U.S. went into this game like minus seventeen point favorites. There was it, it was really not supposed to be barely covered. The, what's that? <laughs> Barely covered well, the spread. Well, it is so funny when you see these these huge numbers because really at any level, at minus 16, it was minus 16 and a half on friends on Fandle. Um, any number like that. Under, though. I think they might have hit the under though. Well, that's Which, well, they, you know, it's really it's really hard when you win by 37, and but the other team just didn't do a single thing. I, like Italy scored 63 total points. Yeah. So it is hard when you see those numbers sometimes. You're thinking, I mean, 17's a lot, it's international play, and then right away you're like, Well, they might win by 30 and 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 they and they did but i think i think with bridges i had someone ask me this on twitter and i you know basketball can be a reactionary thing right you you can we tend to look at game by game basis and sometimes people's evaluations of players change literally like by quarters Mm -hmm. or by possessions (laughs) like sometimes if you don't have a steady hand with this I don't think this game does much to change my opinion of Mikael Bridges. Like I wouldn't move, I wouldn't rocket him up any kind of top 100 chart or something like that because of this game. But it is always nice seeing games like this as reminders that one, the Nets completely have something here. Two, yeah. among groups of guys that are like superstar adjacent, right? That's what this team mostly is that he can shine even within this group and that he can shine with a a variety among his skill set that just translates so, so well. So this is mostly just a, you know, Mikhail Bridges compliment train, but I don't know, man, this was a really just fun game to watch as a reminder. And and I think you mentioned about triple J there and his struggles that that is the, um, the other end of the spectrum where, Hey, listen, you can have quiet games, but it does, that's not going to bring back your perspective on somebody. Some games like this, though, you go, Hey, you can get a sample size where you get you get a level of concern. I don't, Mikhail. I never had the concern around Mikhail Bridges having that issue, right? But it can happen in a FIBA tournament, in an Olympic setting, where you bring that back to the NBA and maybe start to rethink the way you evaluate a player or what your expectations are for them going into the season. Let's um tap right back into that here in just a second, and we'll continue this conversation on Mikhail Bridges and then look forward to the Olympic roster potentially as well.
All right, before we get into that, I'll tell you about our friends over on FanDuel NFL season. When you're listening to this, NFL season is literally right around the corner. We're going to hear this Wednesday, starting on Thursday, baby. Really kicks into high gear on Sunday. You got to head over to FanDuel right now. New customers. You're going to bet $5, and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That alone would be worth it right there. $5, 200 bonus bets, 200 bonus bets. You can use that on every bet that's out there. Like You can figure it out. The money line player props, they have it sliced and diced every single way. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube or YouTube TV. That means you're putting the bets in, and then you're watching them all play out. It's the best time to join FanDuel. The app's super easy to use. Bet on everything, like I said, player props, spreads, totals live betting is in there FanDuel's got you covered every which way visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season with an offer you're not going to want to miss FanDuel official partner the NFL okay right back into the conversation and I'll allow you to round out your thought there when we talk about the impact in Triple J specifically but just as a reminder we said at the top there and this ties in it ties into FIBA here is just I said there about subtext I want to just reiterate something that everybody got to hear about Ken McHale Bridges and Jalen Brunson attack smaller Italian guards. That's the conversation that we had against a, a, ahead of this matchup, and then we got the sample size with McHale. But go ahead on Triple J and, and maybe some of the concerns that he's showing at FIBA. It, it actually wasn't about Jackson. I know I was like yeah. trying to butt in there, and I was, and I really wasn't telling you what I was going to say. It was not about oh, Jackson, but, but it was about right. no, no. But it was about it was about how players on the U.S. team. You know, I don't know if anyone could like elevate your standing, but you can have situations where like you start to get concerned a good example of this would be like brandon ingram on this team right brandon ingram was in the start was in the starting lineup and they basically had to move him because he was really pretty ineffective in the starting lineup and they put josh hart in there and that was a great move and he's been great on the boards and transition and everything and he's probably gonna stick but brandon ingram it is one of those situations where you're like i don't know can you really elevate your stock i think you can some Right. I think you can. And I think Bridges like probably has a little bit here. Right. So I think that and like I think Edwards clearly has. I think some of these guys mm-hmm. have elevated their stock some. But if you're going to see it that way, then maybe there's going to be situations where the stock can go down. And like that has happened with Ingram, who gets relegated to the bench. He looked a little bit better today. But like, I don't know if the game's just not translating to like just the world rules or he's just not really finding his flow. But it can go the other way where your Pelicans yeah. are like, hey, what's going on here, right? <laughs> like, we're going into the season. Zion's going to be healthy, um, maybe. And we have Ingram, and and is he a superstar? It's like maybe not totally clear. He's really, really good, and he's coming off a good season. But do you know what I mean? Like, you can have it go the, you can have it go the other way where this international stuff, even though I think it's really good for everyone to have been here, it's not like I mean, his stock probably took a little bit of a tumble with the play. It's really kind of looked rough for him. Yeah, I don't even say thinking about Triple J. What you wouldn't you wouldn't affect his stock on this, but I think what you would say is, oh, the ball moving in and around the basket for him defensively when he's the lone big guy that you have on this roster. Yeah. Oh, you're seeing how hey, some some quick actions here. He can just find himself being a little bit out of position, getting into some bodies and getting some fouls on Ingram specifically. Yeah, like you you, and that's maybe the the part about this. Not for the superstars of the league. You want to go or not go to the FIBA tournament versus the Olympics, and we'll talk about that later. But Ingram, like, like, I'm going to FIBA because it's, quote, you know, ah, an easy ride to win in a little something, playing with guys that I like. And then you come out of this and say, oh, well, can we rely on you to take over games if we need to? Is there, like, this is the same thing with JJ, Triple J. I know I got a little lost on it. You can start to give NBA opposition 
a potential blueprint about how to disrupt you in the NBA season. And maybe that's something that we don't normally think about with FIBA in this competition, but because of the more team-oriented, fundamental style of international play, that's where I think a guy like Ingram becomes, yeah, you're just one of, as opposed to being someone that you point out every single night and say he's going to be the problem with consistency. So it's unfortunate for him, but yeah, probably. And by the way, you and I have talked about this off air. I have Ingram as being, which is associated with Zion and his health as well. I think that you're going to hear the Pelicans rumbling at the trade deadline about trying to move him to be a sub to superstars rather than one of the leads. Yeah, well, and it's funny too, because when you put a groups of like all the best players together, not everyone can be the best. Like there will be a pecking order that begins to be established among that group, because how can it go any other way? Now, this team has been pretty, really team oriented, like I said, and, and I think that everyone for the most part has played pretty well. Like you've seen Reeves play well here at times, like Halliburton off the bench as has been really, really good. And so it's not like, I don't think anyone's played bad necessarily but we've also seen an established order of things i think from this team right which is to say on this first unit bridges and edwards are going to be two of the guys here right and brunson's going to be obviously like sort of like lead attack guard but it's i think it's interesting when you see that kind of order and that hierarchy be established even among the best guys because again Mm. not everyone can be the best and they're not always going to share the ball completely equally i mean we saw two games ago where anthony edwards literally took every shot right Right. he took more shots than the entire starting lineup combined so and i think the team's kind of okay with that at times right because i think there's going to be guys on the team that they look to they look to and say hey you're good enough and the respect here is allowed for you to do this because and i just not sure that exists with every single guy on the team and so when you see it exist for bridges and maybe not for Mm. like a guy like ingram or some or something like that. I mean, and look, in the some degree, Cam Johnson's been kind of regulated here too to kind of mostly an end of the bench guy. Yeah, you know, like I think you know, and maybe his stock gets hurt a little bit here. I'm not really sure. I, I guess if we're saying the other guys get hurt, he probably gets hurt too, right? So, um, but it's clear that like at least at the top now, it's like Bridges, Edwards, like those are the guys, right? Yeah. Like and Brun, I think Brunson too. Like I think it's very very clear. So to not see the stock drop in that respect feels good. Do you think just off of that mention about Edwards and, and the shots the other game, do you think that there is an ebb and flow to how Steve Kerr and the coaching staff thinks about these games? We get it. You get snake bit in a game. You shouldn't have lost. You come back. You absolutely pummel Italy. This trajectory is long. There could be a difficult matchup and ultimately winning this tournament, a team that can test team USA. But do you think that there are, there is some level of thinking around it of, Hey Edwards, why don't you go ahead and take the lion's share here? And we might actually be able to have a pretty relaxed game for everybody else. And then we'll go ahead and we'll turn it over to the next hand up and the next hand up so that we think about being as fresh as possible, like at the back end of this tournament, because they have been so team oriented. But if you could steal a game where Edwards just kind of goes off, then all of a sudden you end up being that much ready and balanced to compete down the stretch. You think that comes into play at all? It's just a, a kind of a coaching perspective I get curious about. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of this. I do think like situations like against this team in Italy, I don't think you learn end up learning tons about everybody just because the the competition really was pretty light, right? And and so I think from that this perspective, it was like, hey, Mikhail's got the hot hand. He's clearly I, he's clearly crushing his matchup. He had a couple transition things that kind of helped him also. But I think from that perspective, there was it was so loosey goosey that it probably. I'm not even sure how much like really went into it at that point. I do think though, you'll see next game. I mean, I think they're going to play Germany, but 
I, I could be Lafayette, I suppose, but I think Germany's a favorite. You know, th that's a team where it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening from a coaching perspective here because they have a couple sort of, you know, fringy, I guess Schroeder's not an fringe NBA guy. It's like Schroeder, Daniel Tice, but they've been kind of rolling teams also in the tournament. And they're a very team heavy perspective kind of group, right? It's like right. they, it's not exactly filled with superstars, but we've seen teams on the world stage here sort of become more than the sum of their parts for sure, right? Like, again, just only look back two games where the U.S. just lost to see an example right. of how a team with really no NBA, one NBA player can beat a U.S. team when things are just kind of going right and they're really, really well connected. I think from that perspective, like seeing what the coaching, I think they're still fine leaning into the hot hand piece of it because I mm -hmm. think that's just kind of how that's how the NBA rolls. And I think they're going to kind of go that way, but there, there are diminishing returns to stuff like that also. And I mm -hmm. don't know, I get, I do get a little worried about the U S top end chances. They should win it all, but I'm just not sure all the time that the way they are doing it with like this kind of pecking order at the top is also correct. I, th I think they're fine doing it, but I'm not sure it's like totally the way to go. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's a part of that question in that question too, right? It's just about how do you approach tournaments like this? You feel like on paper, you have the highest collection of talent. There's some different stylistic things that go on and how it seems like we always talk about this with basketball. Once you put guys on the court, they want to win whatever that thing is that they're competing at. You could see the back end of the Italy game. There was a little bit of chippiness. There was a in between the legs alley-oop just to kind of put an exclamation yeah. point on it where none of these dudes wanted to go back. They don't want to go back to the NBA. They're going to, by the way. They're all going to go back to their teams. Cam Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges get back to Brooklyn, and somebody in that locker room goes, boy, Lithuania, really, fellas? That's what you yeah. chose to, you know, that like you want that, you want to be able to have that total swagger about it when you get back into it. So those things are fascinating to me and what does make tournaments like this interesting in a different level sometimes than the NBA season. Coming up here in a second, I actually have a little bit of a note about that potential Germany matchup, and then we'll dial this thing forward. Olympic teams are going to be getting formed here down the road. Where does Mikhail Bridges stand in that hierarchy of candidates to attend? All right, you're here on the Locked on Nets podcast, obviously, with Doug Norrie and myself, Adam Armbrecht. And you can follow us over on Twitter, at Doug Norrie, at Adam Armbrecht, and at Locked on Nets, just in case you want a healthy dose of us throughout your day. The last note on Germany would be you also have the Wagner brothers on that squad there. And if we want to just think about this FIBA tournament and the matchups, the one thing that it's the, the thread from FIBA to Brooklyn is they don't got a lot of bigs. And I do wonder yeah. about that triple J, the early foul trouble, having to go to uh, Banchero, you know, and have to go small lineups and spread guys out. The talent should still win the day, but there are worlds where like, the Nets could get uh, the Nets. I'm all it's, it's all Nets for me. Team USA right. could get caught in a very physical based matchup with Germany if they choose to be. And I don't know if we've seen them have to or show that they can crack that if it comes down to it. Yeah, well, that's been like the problem with with what sort of the squad they brought. Like that sometimes this international play does favor you if you have some bigger centers. Like we and those bigger centers can give you maybe slightly more problems on the on both ends of the court than mm -hmm. they can in maybe an NBA setting. And the U.S. brought a relatively small team, right? Like you just mentioned, Paolo was the backup five when, when Triple J got in foul trouble early, right? They do play Walker Kessler, but he's not exactly like an offensive threat. If you can have some offensive game in the center, that does you are it does behoove you to have that uh, a bit in some of the these international rules. Um, 
yeah, that could be it, it could definitely be an issue. We've seen them have trouble on the boards, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just undersized. They're just undersized compared to some of these other teams who brought some of their biggest dudes. And I think that was end up correct. I'm not sure if they just sort of I mean, the NBA has kind of gone away from just the traditional center anyway. So it's not like yeah. there's tons of these options out there that they could have brought. I mean, there are other guys like when we get down the line, like Anthony Davis and guys like this that are going to are going to pop probably a little bit more, or they're just going to have maybe just bigger size across the board anyway. But yeah, man, like this, uh, this is where, this is where team. I always want big centers on my team. The group out there that always wants these guys. I absolutely got to love FIBA because it just proves at least on a FIBA level, why you want, why you want these guys all the time on your team. So, and I think that's where Jackson's gotten in trouble. I think the team USA at times when you've seen them struggle has been partly because of this, right? Is that they're mm-hmm. trying to use athleticism to make up about being undersized across the board compared to some of these teams. And that does, that has kind of been a little problematic and Germany's got some big guys. Like I, they, it could be a problem if Germany were to win, it could be a problem there too. I still think they should win, but yeah, we just, it, the dynamics do change a little bit here. And I like that. I like that, by the way. I like that when you yeah. can, when these games are mo- more competitive than you think they would be, just because, <laughs> just because I think there's like maybe some more pride happening with some of these other countries. They're a little more connected. They played a lot more together. Like there's, there's other factors that kind of, that do kind of crop up here besides just size or whatever else. And, and the game against Italy was at 8:40 in the morning. That's not too early by any stretch for me. But I've been trying to dial up for these games, even when they were at 4 a.m. And if I'm going to show up for that and then watch a 40 point blowout, like you said, like I, give me something here, make me engaged yeah. in some way, even when I'm watching Mikhail Bridges perform at a high level. Uh, I want to turn our attention over to the Olympics and, and talk about a good question that came over from YouTube. On next episode, this is a uh, stamp it and forget it out of Armbrex seal of guarantee. I will shout you out by name, but I can't find it right now. So there was a good question just asking about after Anthony Edwards, where would Mikhail Bridges be uh, off of this roster, off the FIBA roster? Where is Mikhail Bridges in the pick'em adding on to the Olympic roster? Do you think that he comes up number two, or is Jalen Brunson, is he also proving himself and taking that next big step forward for him with an absolutely insane, by the way, that up and under English finish that he had yeah. early in that game, I, I, I still can't figure out the science of how that thing goes in. That, that was insanely impressive, and he's been It was impressive. his first drive. It was his first drive, I think. Um, it was maybe so it was like, good. It was really early. Well, the good thing about Bridges, and this is what we've been trumpeting really from the beginning, is that his skill set works in with any combination that you want to bring, right? Like yep. you choose, you choose four other guys, and he won't necessarily be the best, but you can be sure that that team will need a long wing that can defend and also get his own shot, right? That mm-hmm. can defend basically four positions and can create his own shot that works in any combination of players and that's why that this why this kind of archetype is so valuable in the nba right now is every team needs them and if you can have some some of the really good ones a la you know the really best ones are like the tatums and the Kawhis and guys like this like those are the you know i guess lebron to some not to some degree but guys like that like are just so versatile like those got Paul George, like these guys will work on any mm-hmm. roster. They'll go on any team. If they're healthy, they will, they will start for any team and be there. And they don't necessarily need to be the best guy, like our number one scorer. Cause they just work in every form and facet. So I think from that standpoint, bridges comes out probably the, the highest of the group only cause he's so versatile and can just literally do anything. And you won't have to worry about fit at all. He can play with any group of guys. 
right? Like, I don't, is, there, is there any no, no. is there any group of guys he can't play with? I, I like I just can't. He spent and, his half his career. He spent most of his career being a def- defense only guy. Like he's already just done that already. Well, and that was the other part about going back to as we remember last year, um, teams offering the Nets a king's ransom to pass through Mikhail Bridges to their roster. I think when it comes to the roster construction for the Olympics or any setting, all the superstars, the the Anthony Davises of the world, the Kevin Durant's, the, whoever's going to be a part of that team, because who knows with some of their ages, but they're all going to say, you know, what I'd love to have on this roster is Mikhail Bridges, right? Because he's going to serve my needs the best way. When you mentioned about this group of players, four or five guys, is he going to be the best guy, Mikhail Bridges? No. But one of the things that we're learning, I think, is that he will make the three or four guys ahead of him the best versions of themselves, right? And that's what matters. We talk about roster construction, roles for different players. You need guys that are selfless. And Mikhail Bridges had that ingrained into himself so much early in his career that now as he takes this big front and center kind of step, he still has that on his mind. And we've, we said that about the Nets this upcoming season, how that'll be valuable. And I think it's valuable in the FIBA setting. It'll be valuable in the Olympic setting. So it's a really exciting time. I, anytime that Nets are getting onto these rosters, it's good to watch how players develop for, for better. And sometimes, as we've talked about with other guys, sometimes for worse. But it's been, a, it's been a good run so far. Hopefully it stays on here as they move forward. Well, that's going to be the whole theme of this whole season is development, right? Like we're going to hear us just hammer this all the way, all the way in, because I just don't know how all into the season, because I just don't know how it's going to go any other way. Like they have their whole team is so young at this point. They're I'm I, there's no guy was or one guy that's 30 years old. I'm pretty sure Dinwiddie's the only guy that's 30 and he's exactly 30. And I think everyone else is basically 27 or younger. I'm on the fly trying to look this up. Yeah, sorry. DFS and, and, in there. Yeah. yeah, those and guys are 30. And then Simmons, Cameron Jonathan, Bridges are 27. They're like the elder statesmen of Royce is 32. And then everyone else after that, everyone's 24 and younger, (laughs) right? Like that's, and that's the rest of the roster. So the whole season is going to be about development. So I think being on developmental track along, like I think everyone's weirdly on a developmental track because even Bridges and guys like Cameron Johnson are still on the what can you become track. Maybe we only have like two seasons to really figure it out because they're probably reaching something like their athletic peak, right? 27 through 30 is pretty much you're on the downside after, after 30. But um, so maybe they're the, the track is a little shorter here, but the ceiling is higher than all those other guys, theoretically. Yeah. So you, so you're on a developmental ceiling track to see if you can get to be for bridges. Like, Hey, can you get to be top 25 in the NBA top 20? I don't know. That's pushing it. But if you do, it's not totally outside of the realm of possibilities, right? Can Cameron oh, Johnson be like a definitive top 40 guy in the NBA? It's going to be tough, but it's possible. And so that's their development track. And then everyone else is like at differing stages um, about like sort of what they can become. Yeah, of course. And by the way, it's why this is also good because we want to keep getting these samples. So you get this, this will play out over the next week or so. Then we'll turn our attention towards the training camp and we continue to get information. That's that's really also what we're about, what the Nets are about, information yeah. collecting on these players at their ceilings and then the developmental guys in behind them. I got to tell you a real quick story, real quick, because you're never going oh, yeah, go to Yeah, it's before we get out of here. You know, yeah, how, this is a little, okay, little, little fun time in the story corner with Doug Norrie. Go You're ahead. not going to think this is interesting, but I'm shocked by this. I'm riding home from the beach the other day. I look down on the ground. And I see I'm halfway between my house and the beach. It's about a mile and a half, right? I'm riding okay. the bike. I said, I passed doing it. the lone flip flop. You've seen the lone soldier that's sitting on the side of the road, right? You're always wondering, how did someone just leave one flip flop? All right. That you, you probably said that to yourself. One shoe, one flip flop. How could that be? I'm a mile from my house. I looked down. I said, I think that's my flip flop. <laughs> it was. It was my flip. <laughs> that was my flip flop. 
which then begged the question, where was the other flip-flop? <laughs> because yeah. I lost one. So I got home. I said, and, I and how did you hold on? Like, hold on. Pause. Pause for a second here. How did yeah. you not, when seeing that it was your flip flop, when did you lose it? That like I picture you walking, and one flip flop leaves your foot, and you no, just kept okay, walking. Yeah. So real quick, just yeah. for just for the logistics around this, I have a bag on my bike, and I put my flip flops in the back. So there's it, it, okay. it's, 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 because I I bike barefoot, and then I uh, and then so it must have fallen out. So then this morning I left the house, and I said, let's see if we can find his brother. Let's see if we can find the twin. Guess what, buddy? We found it. It was it was half it was a half a mile away from the other one. They were dispersed in an equidistant place uh, on the sidewalks. They were they had been lonely for the night. So it was the one of the true the true hero stories. You your whole life you've seen you, you, wherever you are, side of the road, the parkway, the beach, the city. You see these one shoe, one shoes just sitting there, thinking no one's ever coming back for it. It's dead, and now it's going to be the lone hero that just decides to throw it away, right? That's right. And that was the only thing that saved me is that no one ever throws these things away. So these. This was many days later. So anyway, end of the story. Both flip flops back. We got him, buddy. This is we did it. the beauty of the beauty of this podcast and why we work so well together is because we connect on a lot of things. I won't go into great detail because you're not allowed to when it comes to bachelor parties. But yours truly was in Ocean City, Maryland years ago. Remembers when he was walking in a crosswalk and lost one of his Sanooks, a gentleman's shoe, and said, ah, I'll just leave it and came back the next morning sun blazing and pick that bad boy right back up that's what the lockdown nets podcast is all about guys brooklyn nets you know basketball what it is when you sh- and stories when you shine positively on you on the universe the universe shines positively back on you that's what i say it's like hey you have a good attitude about things you lose you, you lose your flip-flops in a you lose your flip-flops. in about a carelessness you're gonna get them back what <laughs> even steven what a reward i'll be fine, I'll, be really fine. Good- I'll get it back i'll get it back i'm doing fine all right we're gonna get out of here Make sure you do two things. One, you subscribe over to YouTube. We're pushing towards 7,000 uh, followers over there. Also, join subtext.com slash locked on nets. We're going to leave them uh, the, in the show notes. If you're just listening on the podcast feed, go and join what we're doing over here. We're having a great time. Everyone over there has been awesome. Like, you're just going to like this. If you just want to get, it's basically just text conversations during the day about the nets. Like, this is everything you dream of. Yeah. If you're looking for the, if you're looking for the group text, about the nets that you just have been dying to find. This is subtext. Does it? It's a free 14 day trial. No worries. You jump in there, see what you're doing. There's like literally not, there's no risk here at all. And you're going to stay. So join subtext.com slash locked on nets. You want to ask me about is Dayron sharp really falling down the pecking order. I'll go back and forth with you all day long and we'll break it down into a fine powder. Cause frankly, we might not get to it on the podcast episode. So go do that for sure. And just as a reminder, guys, I want you to know that happily we bask in the warm September sun, which illuminates all creatures. Why, that's Hank David Thoreau. Oh, one of the all-time literally great poets. We'll be back again. Oh, no, he's more of a writer. No, he's a poet. Okay, we'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nights basketball. (laughs) Basketball.